On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I give you an update on how things are at home. I talk the pressures of life and I explain why from today onwards, I'm focusing on helping myself. Hey, how's it going? We're back again. This is episode number eight of Life and Lessons, which means that we're two months into this now, which is crazy. Time is going fast, but still a lot of time to go until I'm 25. Uh, If you're new here, here's what you need to know. I'm Sean Spooner, and for the next 52 weeks between the ages of 24 and 25, I'm going to be recording and releasing a weekly podcast to see just how much my life can change in a year. This is the story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and it's a completely honest view into my life as I take on some fairly unusual things. And this episode here is all about week number eight in that journey. I'm guessing you probably already knew that because you're back again, Uh, which by the way, I tell you what, um, although the, the number of people who listen to this podcast isn't huge, the consistency at which all of you listen is incredible. Week in, week out, I see the same people listening, I see the same people sharing each episode, the same people sending me messages, uh, interacting with posts on Instagram and on Twitter. I see you all and I really, really appreciate it. Um, Which, by the way, one more thing, if you are a regular listener and the audio on this episode sounds different, let me know whether it sounds better or worse. I normally use a like a Blue Yeti USB microphone to record this. I normally just sit in the meeting room in the office or in my bedroom at home and do it. But annoyingly, I left that microphone in Corby. So I've had to hijack the legit podcast setup that we have in the corner of the office with some slightly different microphones. And so, yeah, this podcast episode is recorded on a completely different setup to usual. But if you think it sounds better, let me know and we'll use this moving forwards. Whether you're new here or not, I hope you've had a good week. As I hinted at last week when I sat down to record episode number seven, this week just gone for me has been a stressful one. Quite a weird week. It's been a week of lots and lots of plate spinning, of trying to keep things moving with work whilst also dealing with some family issues, trying to squeeze more problems than usual into the same amount of time each day and trying to recover from the knock-on effects of those kind of issues. And so really that's what I want to talk about today because that's what's consumed my entire week. I want to shed a little bit more light on the latest with my dad, which is obviously a big part of my life. And then I want to talk a little about my philosophy, I guess, on trying to recover or trying to get on with life when shit happens because, you know, things get derailed. And you always need to somehow recover or else you're just going to find yourself in a pit. But before I get on with that second half, let me start here. If you listen to any number of episodes in the past, you will know that a couple of years ago, my dad was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's at the age of just 57. Uh, Now, you probably know this already, but Alzheimer's is a degenerative disease without a cure. And that means a couple of things. It means that things are guaranteed to decline. But it also means that because of the the nature of the disease, there's no set pattern. You don't know 
how or when things will progress, at what speed things will decline. You just know that one day they will. And you don't even know ahead of time what that decline is going to look like because just like every person is unique, everybody with Alzheimer's changes in a unique way. And so in short, life over the past few years has been stalked by a shadow of what ifs or perhaps rather whens. Me, my family, my dad, we've gone through day-to-day life knowing that one day things will decline but we've never known when. And like I've said before, day-to-day it's impossible to tell the difference in the decline of somebody with dementia generally. From one day to the next things basically seem the same but occasionally the symptoms of Alzheimer's take a sudden turn. And that's kind of what's happened in the last few weeks with my dad. I've mentioned in passing over the last few episodes that things have been going on, but I think things have come to a head to such a point now where I'm ready to openly talk about the latest with my dad. And this is going to be the first time in a few weeks that I've actually had a chance to collect my thoughts and take stock of where things are. Shortly before Christmas... My dad, who lives at home, started to become increasingly confused. Sometimes when dementia is involved, increased confusion can be the sign of a UTI or some other kind of infection. And that's absolutely been the case with my dad in the past. But this time around, having carried out the usual tests, a UTI was ruled out. It wasn't a UTI, something else was wrong. And so, seemingly without any cause... uh, My mum, my brother and I have been trying to get to the bottom of what's going on. We've been attempting to make my dad feel comfortable and reduce his agitation, the discomfort that he's experiencing. And we've also been in amongst all of that, trying to get to the bottom of the root cause of what's causing his problem. Because oftentimes, uh, increased agitation in dementia, as I've learned, isn't actually necessarily just a decline due to the disease there are lots of other factors underlying factors physically and so on that can be causing it right and so with that in mind on monday i made an appointment for my dad to visit his gp somebody who uh, is responsible for his wider care suggested that we get him checked over by his gp who would be able to identify if there are any of those underlying physical issues that i just spoke about and so i made the appointment he was off to the gp with my mum and I was off to London to see Stormzy that day. And by the time I got home, I knew that everything would be sorted. But that's not how things went. By the time I reached London, the appointment had been and gone, and my mum phoned me to let me know that things didn't quite go to plan. Without going into detail, sensing the seriousness of my dad's confusion and agitation, his GP didn't actually even bother do any kind of physical checks. Instead, he told my mum and my dad to go home and await a phone call. And so as I made my way through London towards this gig, that's kind of all I knew, that they were waiting at home for some sort of phone call. I didn't know what was going on or what the next steps would be. And the phone call didn't arrive, but an email did into my inbox. And it was from the nurse who's in charge of my dad's care. She had emailed me and basically said that the GP had phoned her and expressed that, in his opinion, my dad was really unwell when he assessed him and that he would need to go into hospital for some closer checks. Uh, 
And what's more, the nurse said in this email, there's every chance that depending on how things go, my dad may be discharged straight from hospital into residential care. Now picture this, eight hours earlier, I was sat in bed in Corby making a completely routine GP appointment. And now I was reading an email that was telling me that my dad needs to go into hospital tomorrow and might never come home. That email was really hard to process. Hard because I didn't expect it. Hard because the last time my dad went into hospital, he ended up being in there for something mad like 11 weeks because of slow communication between departments and paperwork between the hospital and social services. Hard because when I was home from London that next morning, I'd have to tell my dad that he was going into hospital, knowing in the back of my mind that he might not ever be coming home. It was a lot to process, but I tried to put it to one side whilst I was in London. I saw Stormzy, I jumped back on the train, and then before 10pm I was back in Corby. Now it's probably a 40 minute walk between Corby train station and my house. But I tell you what, I have never managed to think and reflect on so much in 40 minutes. To reflect on the past few years to try and consider how the next few days might go, to think about the future. I was asking myself, is is this a good thing? Or is it a bad thing? Should I feel guilty that my dad is going somewhere he doesn't want to be? Or should I feel assured that he's getting the help he needs? It was a weird walk, um, but, but more than anything else, I had one thought on my mind. I know that my dad doesn't want to go in a home. He's always made that clear, right? And I knew that as I made that walk home, uh, my dad was sat in bed, asleep, completely oblivious to what tomorrow would bring. Completely oblivious to the fact that he would have to go into hospital, somewhere that he doesn't like, and completely oblivious to the fact that being discharged from hospital at some point in the future, he may have to go into a home, right? And so I knew that no no matter what happened that next morning, I had to make it a good day for him. And so that's what I did. We woke up, I made him breakfast. We spoke about him going into hospital and I tried to explain it over and over again as a positive thing to try and, I guess, prepare him because although he can't always articulate his thoughts, I do still believe that he understands a lot of what's going on. And so if we suddenly sprung on to him the fact that he'd be going into hospital 10 minutes before he did, That would feel a lot like something out of his control. So I tried to explain over and over again and assure him that he was going to be getting the help later that day that he had been asking for for so long. We packed a bag and I, in the same breath as before, wanted to make sure that he was involved in that in picking his own clothes and packing his own bag. So again, he felt somewhat in control of what was, I'm sure for him, a fairly confusing situation. And then Ash drove us to get some food at KFC And then we went on to the hospital in Kettering. We got there, we got him settled, we unpacked his bits, and then we left. And weirdly, getting home that night, um, it was weird, it was quiet, and it was unusual, but it was also kind of a relief. Because for the last six or so weeks, something has definitely been wrong with my dad. He hasn't been able to settle or get comfortable. And he's been constantly worried and agitated and deeply confused. And when I say constant, I mean from the moment he wakes up through to the moment where he sleeps. 
he would be continuously asking for help and asking to go home even when he was at home. He had needed help, but the system had, up until the point where his GP said, fuck this, enough is enough, failed to give him that help at home. He was always pushed to one side because social services or the teams responsible for his care were just too busy, right? And I I don't blame any of those teams. They are absolutely overstretched. But the point is that the last six weeks have been this kind of ticking time bomb of waiting for something dramatic to happen before he gets the attention that he so rightly needed and so it's a relief that before that happened his GP was able to say enough's enough and so although it was tough it was also kind of a relief because he is where he needs to be and somewhere deep down despite all of the I guess emotion attached with the last week I know that what's happened is in a weird way for the best and so my dad is still in hospital as I record this and he's doing well he seems to have settled in The doctors and the nurses are treating him for a couple of things which could well have been causing his agitation and so things are okay. But like I say, this week has been a weird one. Not only is the process of caring for somebody time-consuming, the practicalities of taking care of, uh, you know, the things that me and my brother and my mum take care of, they take a lot of time, but it's also mentally draining at times. I recently heard someone describe having a loved one with dementia as grieving for somebody who's still alive and as morbid as that sounds I think that perfectly sums up the situation and if you've ever seen somebody in your family with dementia uh, you'll know exactly what I mean. You feel like you lose a piece of the person you know every single day right and it's, it's little things that catch you out, it's the small things that come out of nowhere that somebody either says or recognises or doesn't recognise or does or acts out that, that makes you realise that the person sat in front of you isn't the person you once knew. And so in that sense, I guess it kind of is grieving. But look, my dad's in, this best, in the best place he can be. My mum's getting a break from the round-the-clock care that she's had to be dealing with for the last two years and so things aren't so bad. It's been a stressful week, but we're getting back on track. And actually, getting back on track is the second half of what I want to talk about this week. And it relates directly to the situation I just spoke about. Last week, I told you about how running a business is stressful, unpredictable. It's a full-time task that requires almost all of your attention. And then this week, just now, I've explained why looking after a family member with an illness can be stressful and unpredictable and how it's a full-time task that requires almost all of your attention. And so, if you put those two things together, you're asking for stress. And that's the exact spot that I've been in this last week. The business is busy. It always is. Dream is a services business with clients on marketing retainers. And that means two things. The first is that there is always a constant, always-on stream of work to get done. And the second is that because we don't have or sell a physical product, the services that we provide to our clients require constant time and attention from our team. We always need to be switched on, to be focused, to be in the game. And on any other given week, I am, because I have no alternative. Now, taking care of the things I need to take care of for my dad is also time-consuming. 
it consumes my time and my thoughts and in time it consumes my attention but I need to take care of it because just like I said with work I have no alternative and so here's the thing this week I have taken care of my dad and I've taken care of work but because there has been a larger than usual strain on my time and my attention and my energy I think the byproduct of all of that is that I haven't really taken care of myself and so as I was thinking about that and as I was thinking about this episode and this last week a book came to mind and it's a book that I read a while ago by let's say a somewhat controversial figure Uh, The book is 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. Now, whatever you think of Jordan Peterson, I think that this book, uh, which, by the way, is the only piece of his work I've consumed, so I hold no opinion on him, but I think this book has some really good advice. It has some really good rules for life, like stand up straight with your shoulders back and make friends with people who want the best for you and compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not who somebody else is today. But the rule from that book that came to mind when I was reflecting on this week was this. Treat yourself like somebody that you are responsible for helping. Here's the thing. We always want the best for those around us. It could be your parents or your girlfriend or boyfriend or your children, whoever it is. We're always quick to go out of our way to help those around us that we care about. To look after the people that we're responsible for helping. But as Jordan touches upon in his book, we're not so quick to help ourselves. We're not so quick to pause and take the time to make sure that we are okay and that we are following the best habits and behaviours and patterns that are good for us, right? Now, if I remember correctly, I believe it's from this book. Jordan cites inside of the book a study which concluded that we as a general population are more likely to ensure that our pet finishes a course of antibiotics than we are to ensure that we finish our own course of antibiotics. We hold others' well-being to a higher standard than our own. And in doing so, we often become less able to help others, right? Although it's, it's selfless and it's something to be admired to look after other people, if you're doing that at the expense of not looking after yourself, I guess you become somewhat useless, right? You're, you're almost indirectly unable to help other people if you're not looking after yourself and yet this week that's the exact spot I've been in I've let so many basic things slip not getting enough sleep eating shit drinking coffee late into the evening which further negatively affects my sleep not following basic habits not going to the gym falling behind on things like reading and meditation basically due to the pressures of work and family life combined, I haven't looked after myself this week. And that has no doubt negatively impacted my ability to take care of all of these things that I actually care so much about. It's, it's made me less able in the very moment when I need to be able. And so having reflected on that, as I planned this episode today, I decided that that stops today. So I've been cl- I've been slowly over the last week climbing back on the horse, reinstating one habit after another to get back some of that positive momentum in my life, despite all the shit that's going on. Because if I don't do it, nobody will do it for me. Nobody will 
grow my business for me. Nobody will keep us in business if we don't do the work. And in the same breath, although yes, there are things like benefits in place, nobody will look after my family if me and my brother aren't fucking doing it. So there is no alternative. So so not looking after myself and therefore indirectly harming those things stops today. I need to look after myself so that I can look after those around me. And so that's it. Once again, that is everything for this episode. Uh, this has been, I say this every week, don't know this has been a weird episode, but I guess that's life in as much as following the pattern of just telling you what happens in each week of my life. Every single one of these episodes is going to be very different. And I think that this one has been very different. It's been very introspective. It's been me kind of channeling channeling into my thoughts and my behaviours. But I hope that nonetheless you can get some sort of insight out of this episode. If ever there's been an episode that has been more for me than you as a listener, it's probably been this one. But thank you for listening nonetheless. I, I do really appreciate everybody who listens every single week. As I always say, if there's anything in this episode or any episode that you've listened to that you feel that you want to talk about, do feel free to message me. The best place to reach me is on Instagram where I'm Spooner Sean. That's spelled S-P-O-O-N-E-R-S-E-A-N. And if you do message, I'll look out for your, uh, well, for your message. And as always, just one last thing. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do consider sharing it either somewhere on social media or with a friend on WhatsApp or into a group chat. Uh, like I always say, but I really do mean it, seeing the number of people listening to this grow week on week by only a few people, uh, but seeing it grow is incredible and it makes it all worthwhile. And finally, remember that if you don't follow on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, make sure you do that. It just makes sure that you're the first to know when a new episode drops and you don't need to go looking for it and searching for it and tapping all these links in my bio. It's just going to be there ready for you next week and every other week for the next 52 weeks. Well, for the next 44 weeks. Is that how many we have left now? I'm not very good at maths. Something like 44 weeks. Either way, look, hope you have a good week. Thank you for listening. And I will see you back here this time next week for episode number nine of Life and Lessons. See you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.